Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let all God's people praise the Lord, oh, shake off those heavy bands, lift up those holy hands, let all God's people praise the Lift up those holy hands Let all God's people praise the Lord Oh, let's just praise Him now, saints Oh, it's praise the Lord Let's all praise the Lord Let all God's people praise the Lord Shake off those heavy bands Lift up those holy hands Let all God's people praise the Lord Let's sing it one more time now Oh, let's praise the Lord Praise the Lord Let all God's people praise the Lord Shake off those heavy bands Lift up those holy hands Let all God's people praise the Lord Oh, I want to sing it one more time Oh, let's praise the Lord Praise the Lord Let all God's people praise the Lord Oh, shake off those heavy bands Lift up those holy hands Let all God's people praise the Lord Oh, hallelujah! Give the Lord a hand clap of praise I don't know about you all, but I tell you what, I have fought the devil hard all week He's met me, he's, he's attacked me on every front How many's had battles this week? We've had sickness, we've had bad weather, and you come out on Sunday morning and you see this beautiful sky. Oh my, it makes me excited. Let's just get into the service this morning. Amen. Did you come to have church? You know, I had to miss this week, so I'm glad to be here. We're going to have a good time today, I can feel it. As I journey through the land Singing as I go Oh, pointing souls to Calvary To that crimson flow Oh, many arrows pierce my soul From without, within Oh, but my Lord leads me on And through Him I must win Oh, I want to see Him Upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, Lord, let me lift my voice. All my cares all past, 
Pour my last ever to rejoice Oh, and in service for my Lord Dark may be the night But I'll cling more close to Him He will give me light Oh, Satan's snares may vex my soul Turn my thoughts aside Think about it But my Lord goes ahead Saving grace on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Tears all past. Home at last, ever to rejoice. This was me this way. Oh, in and valleys low, I look toward that mountain high. But behold, my Savior was there, leading in that fight. And with the Tender hand outstretched toward me in the valley low. He was guiding me. I can see as I onward go. Oh, I wanna see him. Look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, play one musician. when we lift our eyes and see him for the first time. Oh my, I am thinking of a rapture in that blessed home on high. When the redeemed are gathering in, oh how we'll raise the heavenly anthem in that city and the sky. When the redeemed are gathering in, 
when the redeemed are gathering in. Oh, what music, oh, what singing, oh, the city will be rolled when the redeemed are gathering in. Oh, when the redeemed are gathering in, wash like snow and free from all sin. song is my favorite verse I don't know this is just one of those images that I, I may have it wrong I don't know but as, as brother Marcus said last Sunday this was this was brother Marcus's idea well this is brother Keith's idea that when we walk down those streets and those angels whom in my mind all growing up the angels was was the great I mean all the great biddings and things of, of God himself and then in my mind, I picture as the bride comes in and those angels, they have to step back. They can't sing. They have no idea what we will be experiencing. And that is, the, that is one of the greatest images in my mind to, to think of 10,000 angels stepping back as the bride comes in. Oh my, what a wonderful, let's sing that third verse again. I, just, I love that. I'm, I'm, I may have a running spell this morning. I tell you, I'm just so, I'm so glad to be here. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Saints will sing redemption's story with their voices clear and strong. When the redeemed are gathering in, then the angels all will listen, for they cannot join that song. When the redeemed are gathering in, oh, when the redeemed are gathering in, washed like snow and free from all sin, how we'll shout and how we'll sing when the redeemed are gathering in. 
flat, Matt. You know, as I said, I have fought the devil hard all week, and I'm sure many of you had too. But I woke up this morning, and I just, I don't know, I just had an overwhelming sense to just praise and worship Him this morning. And I had in my mind, when I went in there and sat down in the living room with my cup of coffee, the sun just starting to come up, and I thought, you know what? Satan, you've attacked me hard all week. But this morning, it's my turn. And I wanted Satan to sit there and tremble and say, Oh my, what have we done this week? What what are we? Oh no, we are in trouble now. Because Brother Branham, didn't he say, even the, the weakest, the weakest Christian gets on their knees. Hell trembles. Just think what you can do to Satan and his legions this morning. Think of what all he's done to you, how he's buffeted you all week. All these sicknesses. Before we take these prayer requests, and there's many of them, you can deliver hell a black eye this morning. And I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. Thou 
about his love just one more time. Oh, the love of God. How rich and pure. Greater than anything we've ever known. How measureless. Yes, Lord. And stronger than anything that we could have ever done to warrant your love, Lord. It shall forevermore endure the saints and Brother Matt, if you'll just continue to play that softly. We're going to take these prayer requests before the Lord. I'd like to ask Brother Jason if he would be prepared to come lead us to the Lord in prayer. Amen. We want to uh, remember the, uh, the Pews family. They're traveling home. Also, the uh, McCafferty's are traveling today as well. Remember, uh, Mitchell, he's uh, up in Indiana, and he'll be traveling back home early in the morning. So keep him in your prayers. Remember Sister Jane Munch, she's uh, sick and not feeling well. We also want to remember uh, Sister Rachel Pritchard's grandmother. She's not uh, doing well up in uh, northeast Ohio. And uh, we want to remember Sister Joanne uh, Ashong, she fell again. We want to remember that. We want to continue to remember our Sister Mary Smith and Brother Richard. I want to continue to remember Sister Becky as well, and also my wife, uh, who's uh, still dealing with uh, a lot of the sickness stuff, so keep her in prayer. I just want to say a special thanks for all the prayers and, and to, the, to the Lord for allowing uh, my mother to be here this morning. The Lord is continuing to touch her, continue to hold her up in prayer. She gets her strength back. I know these, uh, I want to thank you all for your prayers. Um, I had come in contact with the uh the norovirus at one of the food facilities wednesday and i have never experienced a, a sickness like that but i can honestly say that by the end of the the prayer service wednesday night all this the sickness had left I immediately felt it because I wasn't able to listen to the service that night. But the next morning, I went back and listened, and I can tell at the exact time when they when they had the prayer that my symptoms left. And I know the Lord touched me, and I appreciate that. He's still in the healing business. He's still in the delivering business. Whatever your need is, as the song says, the love of God, it's measureless. He knew what you needed before you even knew you needed it. And he had a solution for it. Just reach out and claim him, saints. I know there's many needs among us. Amen. Unlifted or raised hands. Unspoken requests. Brother Jason, if you come at this time and just lead us to the Lord in prayer.
Let's sing this before we go to prayer. It's already done. It's already done. The battle is over. Victory. this week and we stand here this morning as victors Lord knowing that you've provided more and more each and every day your love to us Lord and Lord a number of requests have been read and we're so thankful to see brother Keith's mom here this morning Lord standing and praising you Father God and the different ones that have been read Lord we just ask Lord that you would just come in a supernatural way touch everyone Lord as we sang the song the battle is over the victory has been won. It's our confession this morning. So we stand as saints, like precious faith, together united to tell Satan, Satan, you're defeated this morning. We stand on your word, Lord Jesus. And we just pray, Lord, that you would just touch each and every one. Hands were raised this morning. We just ask that you would go to each and every one, touch their need, Lord Jesus. And be with Brother Barry as he'd come and speak the word this morning. Speak to our hearts, we ask. Be with the remainder of this service. In your name we pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jason. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. You know, when I come into the parking lot this morning, I was standing out there talking with a couple of the brothers and just so uplifting when I turned around and saw Brother Joe and Sister Frieda coming in. We sure have missed you all. It is so good to have you here this morning. Amen. That's another, that's another miracle right there, saints. Just look all around. There's miracles everywhere. This song I'm on, I just like for us to sing together. This is, we sing it a lot, I know, but I find myself a lot of times when I get into a battle and, and struggling that this song just brings me such, such peace. Because truly, all we need is Him. It's all we need. And I just love this song. Sing it with me this morning. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again. 
hear you say that I'm my desire what else will do nothing else could take your place to feel the warmth of your find the way to bring me back to you
help me know you are near. Help me know you are near. Brother Jeff, if you will. Amen. Let's just sing this as Brother Barry comes this morning. You are beautiful beyond description. Just sing it to him, saints. Make it personal. Marvelous forward. Wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing ever seen. and all of our thanksgiving, that's for sure. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, while you're standing, I'd like to offer a word of prayer. And uh, then we'll let you take your seats this morning just to do some announcements here. But um, if you don't mind, I would like to ask you to remember uh, a couple of special needs. Uh, Sister uh, Ashong, Sister Joanne's not here today. She's not here today. So we want to remember her in prayer. Uh, she fell again uh, yesterday and not doing well, so we want to remember her 
and uh, just trust that the Lord will undertake for her. Um, <clears throat> I want to bring you greetings from Sister Florence from Ghana. Yesterday was her birthday, and uh, we certainly miss Sister Florence. And uh, she asked me to pass along greetings to all of you. We also, too, want to remember Sister Becky. She still has some symptoms and uh, still not feeling well from the sickness last week. It's been a tough week, and uh, I'd ask you to just pray that the Lord will uh, drive this away from her and uh, she won't have uh, to deal with this anymore. That would be our prayer. So <clears throat> let's sing that little chorus, uh, if you don't mind. And, um, and uh, we'll look to the Lord in prayer this morning. <clears throat> let's sing that little chorus, We Fall Down. It's in the key of C, man, I think. We fall down, we lay our crowns. Let's just sing this this morning. And your singing sounds so nice this morning. So let's just join our hearts together now as we pray today. We fall down. present among us, Lord, in your own sovereign way. And that means, Lord, that we invite you to come so that you can do whatever you determine is best for us today. Father, I've taken time and studied and prepared these slides and things, Lord. And Father, in my own simple way, Lord, I've just followed your leading to where I am right now. But Lord, as I've already asked you that you would just come and take complete control, Lord, because what you have to say is infinitely more important than what I would have to say. And Lord, what we need is, is Lord, for your presence just to come and, and pass by close enough that we can touch you, Lord, and we can feel that virtue that only you have, Lord. We can feel it f- flow into our vessels today. And so, Lord Jesus, I submit myself to you now today. My, my gifts, Lord, my thoughts, my mind, my lips, I give it all to you, Lord. 
and just pray that you would just move among us today in a special way. Lord, we think of the folks that are listening today and those that are not well. I commit them to you, Lord. We curse these sicknesses in the name of Jesus. And ask, Lord, that you would just move on the scene, Lord, to minister to these people that are struggling today, Lord, especially those that have struggled long. Father, we think of Sister Laura today as well and Sister Becky and Sister Joanne. Father, may your Holy Spirit just reach down and touch them today, Lord. We curse that enemy again, Lord, that would come and afflict your children. And how, Lord Jesus, he tries to distract us and torment us. But, Father, greater is he that's in us and he that's in this world. And so we stand, Lord, ready to uh, just bring these saints before you in your throne of grace and mercy today. Speak to us now, Lord, through your word, we pray. We invite your presence, Lord, to anoint the word to our hearts. In Jesus' lovely name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you can be seated this morning. God bless you. And we'll let our musicians take their place this morning. I want to welcome all of you again this morning to the house of the Lord. It's good to be here. And uh, for those of you that were not here on Wednesday night, uh, you missed it. But uh, we were, uh, I was just explaining that it was good to be here. And I certainly intended to be here last Sunday and uh, was unable because of uh, sickness. And we, we test a lot. We, over this last couple of years, we've tested a lot. And uh, mainly because of uh, Sister Becky's father and trying to minimize exposure to him. And uh, I think I hold uh, the world's record for a number of times I've been tested for COVID. And uh, lo and behold, it showed up positive last Sunday morning. So uh, the doctor advised me to uh, not to come and uh, bless all of you with exposure. So uh, I, we were not able to be here last Sunday. Uh, This is a little bit of a busy season for us in terms of travel and different things, but uh, I I certainly uh, want you to hold in mind that uh, I know that you're you're comfortable when I'm here, and I'm comfortable when I'm here. I love being here, but remember, it's it's God who's speaking to you, and and, uh, through the ministry of the hour, and uh, that's what we hold our confidence in. And so uh, we want you to trust that the Lord will speak, no matter who the vessel is, that God will speak to us every time that we gather together. Now, a couple of uh, quick announcements here just before we get uh, going. And uh, I was not uh, here and didn't mention Ju's birthday. And she doesn't want to, she looks like she doesn't want to talk to me this morning. Uh, But uh, how old was Ju on her birthday? Two? Two years old. God bless you both. Jew needs a sister or a brother, and she's going to get one. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> sister Rachel also had her birthday on February 26th, and uh, we uh, thank the Lord for Sister Rachel, and uh, I know it was a wonderful day, and if you need a cup of coffee, just go down to her house. Uh, she'll take care of you. February 28th was Cohen Pritchard's birthday. Cohen, how old were you on your birthday? 11 years old, wonderful. And it was also Joel Johnson's birthday. Brother Joel was 29 years old, I think, right? He's, boy, he's a true leap year uh, birthday, so he's only 29. Uh, but his birthday is on February 29th, right? That's when he was actually born. And the Walters anniversary as well. Bill, how many years? 47, 47 years. Mine, that's wonderful. God bless you both. March 3rd, uh, Peter and Rachel's anniversary. 
this week, and we appreciate uh, Peter and Rachel very much. And then the McCafferty's are away. It's March 8th is Sister Sharon's birthday, and March 9th is her birthday. And uh, Matt, God bless you and your birthday coming up. Let me ask you this. How old are you, Matt? Thirty-nine and holding, and holding. All right, you're not over the hill yet, but you got your toes wrapped around the edge, right? That's the way we like to say it. Well, God bless you, Matt. We sure appreciate you and all that you do. And uh, just a reminder, uh, we're filling up that trip to Israel, so folks are thinking about uh, making that uh, trip to go. It's certainly uh, uh, possible still. And for those of you that are wanting to go, I didn't mention also Brother Parks is not here, right? The Parkses are not here today, and he's been feeling rough uh, over this last uh, week or so. Uh, <clears throat> I, I often, um, I haven't been showing you many pictures. I've been uh, driving uh, traffic over to our website. So if you haven't visited our website in a while, uh, there's lots of new activity there, and I, uh, I post lots and lots of uh, pictures and stories and different things, but I just wanted to show you this to, um, to keep you in shape. And uh, we, have, we had sent out uh, a large, very large quantity of the new Seven Seals book and individual sermon booklets, and that's what these orange booklets are. And uh, this is a church in Honduras, and they've got all these book boxes stacked up in the front of the church, and they're giving them all away. And uh, they're really excited because now these books are finding their way to churches all throughout South America, and they're really excited. This is the redesign of the Seven Seals book, and uh, it's done in Spanish. We did it in Spanish first, and uh, it's, it's making its way now among Spanish-speaking believers, and it's also available here in the U.S., and then, Lord willing, the next large project that we want to do is to print 100,000 of these books in English. And uh, I was trying to, uh, I'm going to be leaving to go to Hungary uh, very soon this week, and I was trying to bring some SEALs books over because they don't have any. And uh, I was even asking the deacons this morning, and, and Sister Doris, I don't think we have any SEALs book there at all. And uh, they're, really, they're just really hard to get because they have not been in print. So it's been redesigned in the English language as well. And uh, the printers have the manuscripts, so we're ready to go as soon as we get the funds to do that, uh, do that particular project. And uh, it, I will tell you that it is much more readable. It's much more. It's well edited. Well, uh, not edited, but designed so that it's easier to read. And uh, as soon as we get some for here, we'll make sure that you get a, a fresh copy because it's really, uh, it's really quite nice. This is a group in Colombia also, and they're holding up the blue books and the orange books. You see that uh, they have uh, both of those copies there, and they're really excited. These people wanted to have Brother George send me pictures so that we could uh, let, let everybody see that they're just really excited about having their uh, books in that part of the world. So this is exciting for them. Also recently, uh, Brother Aaron helped us to place uh, $6,000 worth of uh, Bibles in Zimbabwe, and they limited them to something like, 10 per church, or I think, something like that. How much? 15 per church. And it's just amazing how many churches requested Bibles in that uh, part of the world. So we're excited. Now we're getting some pictures back now for uh, people in that uh, area getting Bibles as well. So I wanted to remind you of a couple of things coming up. March 18th is our joy dinner. I'll explain what a joy dinner is in just a moment here. Uh, speaking of joy... We're, we're joyous to have the drums here this morning. Uh, God bless you. Great to have you. Sister Shirley, great to have you here today. 
And uh, we appreciate uh, the folks that we haven't seen in a while being here today. Uh, April 9th is our Easter meeting. We're going to have a Saturday night, Sunday morning, and then we're going to have a dinner uh, following that uh, Easter Sunday dinner, uh, Easter Sunday service. And Brother David Iverson from uh, Belgium, Ghent, Belgium, is going to be here. Uh, Brother David's a, a wonderful minister, pastor, and uh, you're really going to enjoy uh, Brother David uh, when he comes for those meetings. So you want to mark that on your calendar. And this notice is on the website, so you can uh, send that to folks or let them, let them go there and take a look at it. We appreciate uh, Sister Haley getting a lot of those uh, notices done for us. May 6th, the mother-daughter tea, and that is a correction on the date. That was not the original date uh, that we announced, but May 6th is the date, uh, so that that will be that weekend. Also, I forgot to mention, on March 18th, we have a sign-up sheet for the Joy Dinner in the library there. August 6th, uh, the Malawi dedication, and then the men's meeting and so forth. Now, I wanted to mention this to you. Uh, this is our five-year anniversary of our fellowship hall, believe it or not. And uh, it, it is uh, hard to believe. I was uh, notified by our friends at the bank that uh, it's our five-year anniversary. And so uh, just wanted to remind you of that. And as a result of being five years, that's when we redo that loan. I've been paying extra on that loan in order to get it uh, completely finished off. But I would really like to do that this year, Lord willing. I'd really like to do that uh, so we get that cleared off. I'm going to show you the balance. So that's what's left owing there. And uh, I show you that because a lot of people say, well, we didn't even know there was anything owing. Or we didn't know that there was a need. There's a need. And if any of you, uh, any of you want to, I know some of you do put in a little extra and mark it on your check or envelope that uh, this is a, an offering for the fellowship hall. We really do appreciate that very much, and we've uh, you know worked this down pretty quickly. But if we're going to have to renew this loan and put a lump sum down on it, so if you're uh, if you felt to, to uh, give something towards that, that would certainly be appreciated. All right, Fellowship Hall has given us lots of opportunities to do lots of things over the years, and we've had some great events over there. Uh, and one of the first things we did in 2018 was have our JOY dinner. And JOY stands for Just Older Youth. So if you're over 50, is it 50 years old? Was that the date? 50 years old. Uh, you're welcome to come. And if you're over 50 and your spouse is not, you're obviously welcome to bring your spouse. And this is when our... Wonderful young people get to serve and to honor uh, the older folks, and uh, we've we've done this one time before, and it was a, just a wonderful evening of fellowship and food. The food was great, and uh, so this was our our waiter staff who were uh, serving everybody on that particular evening. Of course, the kitchen's a busy place, and. Uh, we really did appreciate uh, that time. So everyone who's fifty. And older is welcome to come and uh, be served. And I think it's, that's, a, that's a good thing for us to do. Eleven, you'd agree? That's a good thing for us to, to do and, and uh, serve uh, the seasoned uh, believers among us. And um, we, we are looking forward to that for sure. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to have you stand to your feet if you don't mind. And Let's take a look in the scripture here, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew, the 12th chapter.
And we're going to title this again, The Glorious Church, but we're going to take a little reading here this morning, Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to look at the first verse, but Matthew chapter 12. And at that time, Sorry, verse 14, Matthew chapter 12. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him and how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all and charged them that they should not make him known that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. That verse has always been a mystery to, mystery to me. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. I'd like you to read that verse 21 with me. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. That's you. Read it one more time. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Lord, we ask your blessing on the reading of the word, and Lord, quicken it now to every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's a joy to go to church. Do you believe that? <clears throat> Brother Branham said that. He said it's a joy to go to church. Under any circumstance. Say that with me. Under any circumstance. Whether it's hot, cold, indifferent, whether the people are fussing, growling, whatever they're doing. It's still a joy to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. And all the people said? Amen. Amen. I appreciate all those people today that met in different parts of the world under a tree and uh, held church. I'm grateful for what we have today, and I appreciate it so very much. Now, forgive me if I don't have a lot of voice today, and I'm just trying to uh, conserve myself so I'll be able to have enough voice to get through uh, what the Lord has laid in my heart today. Uh, <clears throat> but forgive me if I don't get really, uh, really loud here, and uh, um, we'll, we'll just trust that the Lord will use the faculties that I give him today so we can get the point across. And... Uh, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you being with us again today. Like I said before, I don't take that for granted at all. Now, <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 12 here, we find a, an interesting passage of Scripture. And I want to dwell on this uh, in the beginning here, first of all. So follow me in your Bible. There's a couple of places here that I want you to look at in your Bible. And I've got some of them on the screen, but they're small uh, because I, I, I don't want to... Uh, I'd rather, I'd rather uh, have you look at it like I looked at it in, in the scripture because it, it shows more than just what's on the screen. Now, in verse 14, we read, Then the Pharisees went out, and they held a council against him, how they might destroy him. So this, is the, uh, this was the, uh, the, the scene as we break into it here. And you have to wonder why that they would form, uh, gather a council 
and, and plot against Jesus here, how they might not just differ with him or ban him or remove him from the temple. They're trying to destroy him. And, and so this is a pretty serious thing. Let's look back then at the, at the serious thing Jesus must have done before this. Let's go back in verse 9. And when he was departed, thence he went into the synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him? And Jesus turns this around, and he asks them the question, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and it shall fall into a pit on the Sabbath day? Will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? That's his response. We have a man here who is uh, withered in his hand. Now, uh, in the Old Testament law, anything that you did to help uh, to, to constitute work would have been a violation of the law on the Sabbath day. Very, very careful. The Jews have all kinds of uh, uh, rules and, and posters. If you go into a synagogue, that's one of the things you'd be reminded of right away, of what's considered work on the Sabbath and what's not. So, for instance, you're not allowed to turn a light switch on in a Sabbath or in the synagogue on the Sabbath day because that constitutes work, actually lifting the, the light switch and turning on the lights. So they need to have somebody to go in and turn on the lights. And, and that's considered work. Now, that's how tedious that they are. So if you, have a, if you had, Jesus is referring to the custom here, because if you had a, an animal and the animal was trapped in a ditch, say a cow fell down into a ditch and you couldn't get it out, uh, or it couldn't get itself out, uh, you, would be, uh, you would want to feed that cow so it didn't die in the ditch. And if you, if, if you found yourself doing that on the Sabbath day, there was an exemption in there. If you could carry grain or feed for the cow, that would be considered work lifting the grain and bringing it to the cow. Uh, because that's considered work, you'd be exempt from that because you're obviously this cow is in need. And the cows, you're part of your livelihood. You wouldn't want it to die. You're preserving life. You want to look after the cow. And, uh, you know, we're going to take care of it. So the, uh, God's not going to hold you accountable for that. That's what they concluded about uh, the law of doing servile work on the Sabbath day. So Jesus simply turns this around on them and says, Now, hold on now. Let me make sure I got this right. You have a cow that's in the ditch. And you're exempt by showing mercy to the cow. But you're not exempt if you have a man whose hand is withered and probably cannot work and provide for his family. And now I come along and pray for this man that his hand is healed and you want to condemn me for that? I just need to know that that's what you're thinking. I need to know that that's what, that's what you're actually saying here. That it's okay to look after the cow but not okay to look after a son of Israel. Is that what you're saying? And this is what Jesus turns around and asks him. And he says, how much better, how much better than a sheep, whether it is lawful to do well. Wherefore, it, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. And then he said to the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth and was short whole like the other one. And, and so Jesus is simply, uh, you know, stating the obvious here, but because of their legalistic tendencies, they would think, well, there's absolutely no way that he can, uh, he can do this work on the Sabbath day. No way he can do that. But I can do it for my cow, but I can't do it for, uh, for a son of God. And so Jesus just goes ahead because uh, he knows he's the author of the law. And so therefore, uh, he said, it is lawful to do well. It's always in season to do well. It's always politically correct to do well. 
right? It's always better to be attentive. It's always better to be kind. It's always better to uh, go the extra mile. It's always better to turn the other cheek. It's always better to give and uh, see the betterment of somebody, on, even if it's on the Sabbath day, because the law does not speak against that. When they asked Jesus about what is the most important thing in the law, he said, number one, that you need to love God with all your heart. Number two, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. So he says, in that summarizes all of the law. So the first answer, you know, you need to love God with all your heart. That's the first four commandments there. And the loving your neighbor is, is, uh, also, uh, the number four to number, number five to number 10 in the commandments there. So all of the commandments are summarized in these two things. And so Jesus throws this back at them and goes ahead and does the good thing. And they're now going to destroy him. Figure that. Wow. So he says, he says to them, uh, this, this, is, this is what I'm here to do. But now what I want you to notice here is his reaction. Now, I'm going to deal with this a little bit tonight. And uh, we're going to speak, we're going to do a ser- just a regular service tonight. But I'm going to incorporate some of these things that we find here in this particular passage uh, uh, tonight. But, so I want you just to keep this in mind. I want you to follow down through the verses here. Number 15, when Jesus knew this, that there's actually a group of people that are out to destroy me, does he tell his servants, does he tell his apostles, boys, go get the shields, go get the spears, go get whatever you need to do, hire a lawyer, uh, whatever, whatever you need, create a website, whatever you need to do, we're going to counter this. He doesn't do it. When Jesus knew what they had in their hearts to do, he withdrew himself from them. He was essentially non-confrontational. Jesus knew, didn't he, that he was here to die on the earth. But it was not to be at their hands this way at this time. And so therefore, he knew his battle was coming at Calvary, and it would have to be done at a certain time, in a certain way. He had to fulfill the three and a half years of his ministry there. And so rather than engage them in a confrontation, he just draws back. And he does not have any confrontation at all. He could. He could have called a legion of angels to come. And that would have been interesting to see, but he doesn't do it. So he just simply withdraws. Because you know what? As a Christian, you've got to be very careful about how you engage the enemy. As a Christian, you've got to be very careful about how you engage the enemy. Because sometimes your, your enemy, uh, sometimes the, the very best thing to do is to withdraw and, and to not die on that particular mountain, but rather, uh, you know, just to pull back and let that enemy just rage a little while. And sometimes that enemy, that's all he wants to do is to be critical or be vocal and so forth. That's all he wants to do. Let me tell you something. You need to be very careful about how you react to people who are against you. I'm just saying that as a principle here, because I love this little story. And then the great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. And then he charged them that they should not make him known. He, charged, he, he told the people, he said, my, my publicity is only appropriate, listen, after the cross. After the cross is when you need to now go into all the world and preach the gospel. Isn't that what he said? Jesus never gives the disciples that commission on this side of the cross. But he simply tells them, look, 
this is, this is not the time to make me know. This is not, I, I'm only going to be with you for a season. But when he comes, he's the one that you want, that, that we want to see glorified. So I'll tell you what, after the cross, you go tell the world. You go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is alive, that he's real, and, and that he lives. He's not dead, but he's real. How many believe that today? And, and we still have that commission to tell others, but he didn't want them to tell them out of season there. He said, I want you to, I want you to wait until after the cross. And then afterwards, he says uh, in verse 16, sorry, verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet. If you don't mind, hold your finger there. And let's just go back for a moment to Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. So Jesus now is quoting Isaiah here in this particular passage now that comes up. And this is what he writes. Behold my servant whom I I uphold. Mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, and she shall, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Now, <clears throat> as an interesting footnote here, just for your reference, Isaiah is actually speaking to King Cyrus. He's actually talking about King Cyrus here because King Cyrus is a man who's being used of God in that particular era uh, to restore things back to Jerusalem again, to bring things back to the original design. The temple is going to be restored under Cyrus. He's the one who sends Ezra and Nehemiah back to the, uh, back to the country of Israel. He's also the one that uh, conquers and controls the, the, the whole region of the Gentiles in that, in that time period. He's a, he's a world power in himself. Now, he's only, he's only a small type of the one that Isaiah is also uh, speaking about. Because every, every type has a compound meaning, right? Everybody, everybody following me? So he's speaking to Cyrus, but he's also referring to Christ, okay? And he says in verse 2, He shall not cry, nor lift up, uh, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. That word, he shall not cry, nor lift up, it's a Hebrew phrase, which literally means the barking of a dog. And when, you, uh, when, you, when you're uh, trying to sleep and you hear the barking of a dog, uh, it's, it's just one of those sounds that's, that's always there. And what Isaiah is prophesying that when Jesus comes, he's not going to be out trying to attract attention to himself. He's not going to be doing that. When he's in the street, he'll not be like a barking dog. He'll be there. He'll be there to do his work, but he will not be uh, someone who's trying to draw attention to himself. You understand? And that's what we just read in Matthew, uh, the 12th chapter there. Jesus said, no, don't go tell people about this now. He said, just wait. It'll come after Calvary, after I'm gone, then you can do that. But the idea is that he wasn't on earth to draw a big following and to say, hey, everybody, look at me, look how great I am. No, he was there to fulfill the role of a suffering savior. Do you believe that? All right, so these are prophecies now that are related to him. And then he says in verse 3, A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, and he shall bring forth judgment unto truth. So in other words, the image is portrayed here, and I'm just taking my time to go through this initially here, that once a, once a reed by the side of a lake is bruised or bent at all, it's never going to go back again. It's never going to uh, correct itself. It's just got that quality about it. When you press it, when you bump into it, it's going to flop over and it's already in that compromised place. Or when a smoking flax, meaning that if the wick on a lamp is really low, it's only going to give a smoky, dull kind of a light rather than when the wick is full and it's pretty bright in the lantern and that's the way it's going to shine out like that. 
So in other words, in verse 3, Isaiah is saying that when he comes, he's not going to be someone who discourages us, but rather he's going to be one who encourages those that are going through difficult times. That he's not going to discourage, he's, not, he's going to rather encourage the discouraged. He's going to help those that are bowed over. He's going to do everything he can to try to lift up those people that are down. And if they're dull at all, he's going to try to make their life even brighter. And that's what Isaiah's prophesying. That when Jesus comes, number one, you need to realize he's going to come in a way that you might not expect because he's not going to be like a barking dog out here. But know this, that he has your back. And no matter what you're going through, and no matter what difficulty you face, then let me tell you, he's right there to help you. He's going to encourage you. And he's going to bring forth judgment. And the right truth will be stated in that time. People might be against it. They might say all kinds of things about it. But you can count on this, that Jesus will be there for you. And he will help you like somebody who has a, a smoking uh, a smoking wick. Somebody who's not, you know, they, they, they feel like uh, they're not very much. They don't feel like they add much. They don't feel like they, their light contributes very much. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt that way in your life? That, that, that there are times when, my goodness, I'm not really much good for much. And I, I don't really shine bright. And I don't really uh, turn the world upside down with my little voice here. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ loves you the same as if, he, uh, if he's dealing with a prophet or somebody who travels the world and is a spokesman for the kingdom. He loves you just as much. When you're home in your house and you're suffering and you're praying that God would relieve the symptoms and give you peace and give you uh, some, some relief from this, let me tell you, God hears that and God God is able to send mercy your way and God sends angels in attendance to that. I'm thankfully still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is what Isaiah is prophesying, that, that this is the kind of, of person he is. Verse 5, Thus saith the Lord God, He that created the heavens and stretcheth them out, He that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto people on it, and the spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and I will give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light to the Gentiles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide everything that the Gentiles have need of. I'm going to provide everything that they need in order to come back to where I created them for in the first place. And so this is Isaiah's prophecy. He's obviously talking about more than just Cyrus here. And this is the passage that Jesus quotes here in Matthew chapter 12. So if you're back in 12 here, it says in 19, He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. And a bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. In other words, when Jesus reads a prophecy like this out of the book of Isaiah, he is making sure everybody understands this day this scripture is fulfilled. Is everybody with me? He's drawing attention to this, right? And, and, and people are, uh, you know, they're looking at this and they're looking at the miracles. They're looking at the criticism. They're looking at the applause. They're hearing that. But then they're hearing that uh, there's a group of people that are out to destroy him. And Jesus is simply saying, hey, this is what the Bible said. This is what's coming to pass. You're witnesses of it. And in his name, verse 21, shall the Gentiles trust. In his name shall the Gentiles trust. Now, <clears throat> Jesus is actually saying to those disciples there, and in response to the people that want to destroy him, because he's just done a great miracle, and he looks like somebody who has an understanding of the Sabbath that nobody else does. And he's actually saying to them, what if, what if, what all those prophecies about the Messiah, what if they're all correct? 
even though there's people who would like to destroy me because I'm standing here fulfilling those things, but just what if they're all correct? And what if all of those people are wrong? What if I am that Messiah? What if God actually has fulfilled that right in your eyes? And this is actually going on to fulfill everything that the Bible said about me. What if, what if God was right? Just say, just say, what if God was right? And they were all of our critics are all wrong. What if? Then you know what? It, it, it's put upon the disciples then to, to make a decision, to make a response. And as I've said to you many times before, your response to faith, your response to the Word of God is always really important. How you respond to the Word of God is important. It's not important for you to figure it out. And it's not important for you to come up with new ideas. It's important for you rather to respond the right way when the Word of God is declared. When God draws your attention to something and makes it real, your response is what God's looking for. Because the elect, the bride, they respond in a certain way. They respond with, hey, amen, that's right. And they're positive about that. They love that when they see the Word of God fulfilled. Anybody happy this morning to see the Word of God fulfilled? That's a quality that's unique to the, uh, to the people of God. Now, if I went to another church this morning, a denominational church here in Hickory, and I, I, I had the opportunity to speak, and I got up and I said, hey, uh, you know there's scriptures being fulfilled in our time, scriptures about the Lord and uh, the Holy Spirit, and scriptures about Malachi, and what he prophesied about a prophet coming in the last day. You know what? A lot of people's response would be this way, right? Wouldn't it? To be honest. A lot of people's reaction would be, hey, hey, we never heard that before. You know what? <laughs> that doesn't make it wrong. Just because you never heard it before. It was a day when I never heard it before, too. And, and if they, they, re, they backed up and said, hey, uh, you know what? Our, teach, our church doesn't teach it like that. Uh, you could say also, well, that doesn't make it wrong either. Just because your church never, doesn't teach it that way. That doesn't make it wrong. What matters is your response. And I'm not, I'm not dumping off on people out there because I believe there's probably still elect somewhere out there. Uh, I believe that God has placed us in this community to be not only uh, believers and enjoy the uh, blessings of fellowship that we have, but we are called to be a light. And we are called to witness the truth of what God has done in the last day. Is that all right? We're all, we're all witnesses. We're all, and that Greek word is martyrs. We're all uh, people who testify of what God has done. And your, your conduct, your dress, your actions, your words, your, uh, your passion for the things of God are all a witness to people. Even if you never directly get to say anything to them, uh, they watch you. People around you watch you, and God puts you there as a signpost to point them uh, to the living God in this hour. I believe that's true. And some of you do too. A very small number of you, but some of you do believe that that's true. Now... <clears throat> Jesus is actually saying, what if? What if, what if God is actually fulfilling his word in, in my day? And, and as he said in the book of John, search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life. They are they that testify of me. What if God ordained this to happen this way to fulfill the scripture? Now it's upon you to believe and to embrace that, whether it's true or not. Now watch what Brother Branham says. A few years ago, the other churches told us that we were crazy. The Holy Ghost is the thing of the past. Divine healing, miracles, angels, angels visiting a man in a cave, right? Brother Bam's going around the world telling these stories. As a little boy, there's a voice up in the tree that's telling me, don't smoke or drink or defile my body in any way. And, and he's talking about this voice and this angel that follows him. He's talking about seeing visions of different things. He's talking about uh, the miracles that happen. He's talking about the dead being raised from the grave and all the other things that go on in, in his ministry. And People told us years ago that we were crazy. 
the Holy Ghost is a thing of the past. That's their statement. Imagine how many times Brother Brandon must have heard that. The Holy Ghost is a thing of the past. God doesn't do that anymore. That was for the days of the apostles. Imagine how many times Brother Brandon must have heard that or had people think that about his ministry. But we find out that God's promise was to whosoever will, and now we know different. Hello, everybody. What if, what if people thought that this couldn't happen in our day, but it did, and you got your eyes open to realize this is not Hickory Bible, or this is not William Branham, but this is God actually fulfilling his word in the last day. What if, what if it really is God? What if it's really true? What if that is the scriptures that are talking about this last day, and now they're unfolding and happening just as God said? What if, even if the critics are standing there saying, no, it can't be, but what if God was right? He says, you know, we find out that God's promise is not to everybody, but to whosoever will. And now we know different. We can't say that God doesn't do miracles. We can't say that God's not a healer. We can't say uh, that God doesn't send angels. We believe that that's true. We believe that God can create squirrels. You know why? Not because we were there, but because we trust in the person who told us the story. Right? In the same way that when you got into church this morning, I didn't see anybody going like this when they sat down. It didn't, nobody, nobody did this and carefully sat down. You know how you all sat down? You all sat down like this. You know why? Because you got experience sitting down in these chairs. <clears throat> Let me say that again. None of you doubted the efficiency of this chair to work. Right? Hey, you, you all, by prior experience, by trust, you, all, you know this chair is going to hold you up. So you didn't have to get down and look underneath it. Is it made of cardboard? Is it? Yeah, it's, okay. it's probably okay. You didn't do that? You knew. You had a trust. It's going to work. God wants your faith to be just like that. And let me tell you again. Rather than try to assume... That I've got to accumulate and create a faith in me. Your faith is actually resting on the shoulders of trust. And God is building, over time, God is building our trust in him. So when we come to just certain, certain things, certain promises that are found in the word of God, we'll sit on them just exactly like we have trust in that chair. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. You don't need to be a prophet. You don't need to be uh, some superman of the faith. All you need to do is just trust that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. And here's Brother Branham saying, hey, we know different. We know better. We know better. See, little by little, this thing has opened up. Little by little, God has led us into a place where we can trust him over these promises for this day. And now he promised that these mysteries were hid in those, all those church ages would be revealed right at the end time. And he lets us know, and we're at the end time. We're here now. Now let me say this. <clears throat> there are certain things that the believers knew through the ages, but they never had the full picture. Is that okay? 
Martin Luther was led in, uh, he, he saw a certain amount of light on justification. And Wesley saw another portion of light, which is sanctification. But they didn't have the whole picture. They didn't have the, the entire uh, scope of the word, the entire understanding of the mysteries of God. They didn't have that. Uh, Larkin had some. Uh, the Pentecostals had some. Uh, John Smith had some. Calvin certainly had lots. And he lived in the time of around Martin Luther. And, and he certainly had lots of understanding of the Word of God. I mentioned on Wednesday night about A.W. Pink, uh, who was a person who lived, uh, you know, earlier than Brother Branham and uh, had great understanding of the sovereignty of God and the predestination and predestinated plan of God. I mean, they had great understanding, but they didn't have it all. And what Brother Branham's saying over and over and over again, he says that prior to the opening of the seals and after the opening of the seals, he said he promised that in, there were certain things that were hidden in those ages there that we never really understood. There are certain mysteries that were in there, embedded in there, already there, not new ones coming, but already embedded in there. And he says they would be revealed at the last day. And he lets us know when? Now, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. And he says we're at the end time. So all of the first paragraph is about God creating in us a trust to trust that God's going to do what he's promised he said he would do. And then in the last day, in the last paragraph, it's all about the important stuff that's going to come. Because, you know, God wants you to listen. God wants you to have more confidence in him than just to be able to sit on the chair. God wants you to believe enough so that your body will actually be changed and you'll leave here and go to another kingdom. He wants your faith to continually rise. He wants your trust to continually rise. Hey, we're being trained to reign. We're being trained to reign. That's what adoption teaches us. We are being trained to reign. But I will tell you that as, as a counter to that, the enemy is trying to do everything he can to try to discourage and bring anxiety in people's lives. They say now, according to medical science, they say that uh, children who are 12 and under experience more anxiety and stress than adults used to live and experience in their whole life, in their whole lifetime. Children up to 12 now experience a whole lifetime of anxiety up to 12 because of the stresses of this time. And, uh, you know, they're connected to the whole world by their phone. And, uh, you know, they have all this interaction. They've got to worry about this. How do, how do I look? Where should I be? Uh, what will people think? And all the other things. There's a stress and an anxiety that's created. And, and now by the age of 12 years old, they've gone through an adult's lifetime of stress already. The average kid, the average kid. Aren't you glad uh, you got somebody who promised us that he would not quench the smoking flax and he would not bruise that reed, but he would be there to uphold us and to help us because in him can the Gentiles trust. Not in the government so much, not in the internet, not in, not in your own physical strength, not in your own mental ability to sort it out, but in him do the Gentiles trust. That's where we have our confidence and God's been building up our trust. So that when it comes time for us to take the steps of faith, we're already there. Can I go a little further? Now, I'm still on the text here because in Matthew chapter 12, this is how uh, Jesus uh, responds to this accusation here of healing on the Sabbath day. And uh, the reference also is made to this passage here in Isaiah chapter 42. Sorry, Isaiah 49. And we'll just very quickly look at it. And again, he's talking about the Gentile people here who would be restored. Now hold on. 
He said, I will lift up mine hands to the Gentiles and set my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. I'm going to restore. I'm going to bring them back to Israel. They're scattered. I'm going to bring them back. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy, thy nursing mothers. And thou shalt bow down, they shall bow down to thee with their face towards the earth. And literally, what this means is lick the dust off your shoes. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord. And for they that they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. This is a promise of return. I'm going to bring you back. But I'm going to let kings and queens actually carry you back. And shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the lawful captive delivered? But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with them that contended with thee, and I will save your children. God is saying there are captives that are formed, uh, soldiers that are formed against your armies and kingdoms that are against you, like the, like the kingdoms were against the Jews. And they didn't want to have Israel, you know, come back to their homeland and all the rest of it. And God says, hey, but you got to realize this is not about you against them. This is me and you against them. And that's the difference, that I need you to know that I'm going to be standing for them. And look at, look at verse 25 in the middle there. For I will contend with him that contends with thee, and I will save your children. I'm going to be involved here. This is not just you. I'm going to be involved here. And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I am the Lord thy Savior, and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. And let the whole world know that the reason that you exist today is because I've looked after you. I've kept my eye on you. I have, I have nurtured you. I have fought the, the people who fight you. And I've stood there in order to have my word fulfilled and bring you back to your land where you belong. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, isn't he? All right, now watch. Let me give you the same passage here in another translation. See, I will give a signal to the godless nations, and they will carry your little sons back to you in their arms. And they will bring your daughters on their shoulders, and kings and queens will serve you and care for all your needs. And they shall bow to the earth before you and lick the dust from your feet. And then shall you know that I am the Lord. And those who trusted me will never be put to shame. Those who trusted me will never be put to shame. Those who trusted me will never be disappointed. Those who trust in me will be victorious. How many can say amen? Hey, that word still applies today. And who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of a warrior? And who can demand that a tyrant let his captives go? How can he go up to the victor and say, hey, that's mine, give it back. He just won it in a battle. How can you do that and go up to somebody and say, no, I'm going to take it back. The average person can't do that. But I can do that because I'm God. I can do that because I'm more powerful than all the soldiers and all the armies of the earth. But the Lord says the captives of warriors will be released and the plunder of tyrants will be retrieved for I will fight those who fight you and I will save your children. I will feed your enemies with their own flesh. They will be drunk with rivers of their own blood and all the world shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior, your redeemer, the mighty one of Israel. I want the whole world to know I'll be the one getting you back there. And even though you're outnumbered, even though you're the offscouring of the earth and even though nobody loves you, it doesn't matter because I love you and I'm with you and I'm gonna make this happen happen. And I'm saying to you today, this day, we're living in the fulfillment of those prophecies. And here are the children coming back into Israel again, and they have no houses, they have no uh, property, they have nothing there. Uh, They live in kibbutzim, you know, when they come back. They're even still wearing the Star of David on their clothing, because that's the only clothing they have. 
And they still, some of them have it ripped off, but they have the outline of that patch on their clothing there. And they're coming back into Israel. And you know why? It's not because they are a stronger army. It's not because they, uh, they figured out how to do this. They're not coming back in their own strength. They're coming back on the strength of Jehovah. Because when God says, when you're at your lowest point and you're in the valley and you can't do anything else, I'm going to be right there to hold you in my hand and bring you back. And I will pluck you out of the hands of the strong soldier and the strong army. Hey, that's the same God we serve. Folks, it's not left up to you and me to create enough faith for us to change our bodies. We can hardly change our weight. We can't change our hairstyle very well. We can't do a whole lot of things that we would like to do even to ourselves physically. There's a whole lot of things. Hey, if we could, Brother Johnny, if we could go uh, before you have, have to have that surgery, wouldn't you choose to go? Absolutely. He would choose to go. I mean, every one of us would want to go before, uh, you know, before this thing rolls on longer and it gets more confusing and more intolerable. I know all the young people look at me and say, hey, just quit. Quit on that. I got to get married. I got to get married. Well, maybe the older people can go first. That would be a real joy, wouldn't it? And the young people can hang around, see what happens, and then, you know, get them in just in time. I don't know. What you're living in is to see these scriptures fulfilled here. So what if? What if God was right? What if God actually did it and pulled it off despite the objections of the United Nations and all the other nations that stood against Israel? And when uh, Abdul Nasser said, we're going to push Israel off the, the edge of the earth and put, put them into the Mediterranean Sea, and he vowed to destroy Israel after they were created as a nation. But what if God was right? What if God could do what he said he could do? What if God actually was as powerful as what he proclaims? What if God said, I'll pluck them out of the hands of the victor and I'll take them away from the hands of the aggressor and the soldier here? What if God was actually right? Brother Bam says, we know better. We know that it's actually possible. That God is actually, his word is true. Are you following me? We, we know that God's word is true. We're the people that ought to say, yes, hey, if we're going to vote, we're going to vote on the side of the word. If God, if God said that, you know what? It's going to happen. Nothing's going to stop it. Nothing's going to prevent it. It's going to happen just exactly the way that God said Brother Brown said, now I think there's something else you ought to know. And he said, in the seven church ages are all Gentile churches. He does not speak to the church of Jerusalem, which is mostly Jewish, with perhaps a few Gentiles in it. But he said, the reason is that God turned from the Jews to the Gentiles. Acts 13, thus the whole of the church ages is God dealing with Gentiles, calling out a Gentile bride to himself. And that makes the church ages and the fullness of the Gentiles one and the same thing. So there are certain things cannot happen to Israel again until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Isn't that right? And here's Brother Bram saying, look, he says, this is what God has done. He's followed that bride and called that bride. He's rescued her out of sin. He's rescued her out of addictions. He's rescued her out of the gutter. He's rescued her out of immorality. He's rescued her out of everything that she was involved in. No matter how deep and how thick you were in a denomination or what role you played in the world, hey, God reached down and said, that's not your destiny. I want you to come and be a part of the bride of Christ. Hey, listen, I, 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 I could, I, we could take it. 
if we had time, we could talk about lots of testimonies of people that they never, they were not searching for God, never knew God, but never, uh, never, never were, were wandering around the world looking for God or something real. Not that case at all. But God, God, God put his hand on their shoulder and God tapped them and said, Hey, listen, buddy, it's now your time. Now is, now is this hour for you. And God bringing those people in one by one, one by one all over the world. And God does that. It's the gathering of that Gentile bride for Christ. And as soon as that bride is complete and put away in the palace, and God turns back to Israel again. And Brother Bram said at those church ages, he said, and the fullness of the Gentiles, that's one and the same thing. So the whole thing had to be complete. And Brother Bram said, now this last message, this portion of the message, he said, is for the bride, the going home of the bride. We got something different. In every age, the light they had escorted them into another age. And God added to that light. But in the last age, God actually gives us something. God actually empowers the bride to leave here and to be taken away. And he says, now we got to come to full doctrine. And he said, I like the good, I've I've mentioned this quote to you before. He said, I like good old shouting meetings where we clap our hands and shout and have a good time, powerful service. But when the showdown comes, you don't know where you're standing. And he said, there's a great journey and a great battle ahead for the church. There are things that arise that, uh, that in history, te- that, that, that history tells us we didn't have good answers for. We didn't have remedies for. When the Jewish people faced the Holocaust, when they faced the threats of the Germans, they didn't have a response to that. There was no coordinated response by the Jews to that. They just looked at that uh, with, with a puzzled look and said, surely they're not going to do this. And then they would do this. And then they said, well, surely they're not going to go any further. And they did. And they not only, they not only identified the Jews, and they, they, they restricted the movements of the Jews, and, and then took away their businesses and took away their resources, but they actually took away their homes and moved them in the ghettos. I've stood in the place, in the uh, Jewish ghettos in, in Europe there, and they corralled them all into this place. And then surely they wouldn't take us off to a, a death camp. And they did. And surely they wouldn't kill all those people. And they did. And there were things that happened that they had no response for because there was no precedent. There was nothing like this happened uh, in our time. And so all of a sudden it's happening here. And, and this is what Brother Bram is referring to as a showdown. When time comes, you need to know where you're standing because things are not working out in a logical way. Things are not working out in a way that you anticipated because it's not logical. You know what? It's not logical for Jesus to heal a man with a withered hand and then for people to say, well, on account of that, we're going to destroy him. That's not logical. That is, that is what we call stupid, right? I mean, that's, that's crazy. And hey, welcome to crazy. We live in a world that's full of crazy stuff that goes on here, right? right. I'll, I'll speak a little bit about this this evening here. But I mean, we live in a world where uh, a showdown can come and it'll come in a way that you're not expecting it. Like the, like the COVID virus. Who, who knew that was coming? Who knew it would still be around? And who had a sensible response? We all prayed it away. It seemed like it hung around until it was finished doing whatever it was doing and still lingered to hassle some. It doesn't make sense. But what Brother Bram is telling us is that there are showdowns coming where you're not going to have, in your own natural pile of resources, you're not going to have what you need to counter the things that are coming. It's then you've got to know where you're standing. Because even when everything breaks down, even when everything 
goes fuzzy. Even when everything doesn't work right, you've got to know where you're standing. You've got to know you're a child of God. You've got to know who your real identity is. And so Brother Bram said it's a great journey and a great battle ahead for the church. And God is going to turn his church into manhood now. That's the goal of all the training and all the adoption is to bring us on to manhood. I love this little statement here. Brother Bram says in 1965. Now he says even Luther had a truth and taught the church justification. The just shall live by faith. And he said, but you don't want to hang on. Let me read it as he says it. You don't want to hang on to that being the full doctrine. In that Methodist, you don't want, that's not full doctrine. You understand what he's saying? He just said over here, God's going to bring us to full doctrine. But he said, you don't want to consider just justification being full doctrine. So in other words, you don't want to attend a Lutheran church and say, well, they've got truth. So, uh, cause they do have a little measure of truth and stay there. No, that's not what God's intent is. God's intent is to bring you on to full doctrine. How many, how many believe that? He says, even though Martin Luther had truth there, he says, you don't want to hang on to that being full doctrine. Because what came out of that movement was a denomination. And he says, we're going to burn that. The denomination that comes out of that word is a, uh, the shuck. And he said, that's got to be burnt. Now, the truth goes on. The elect go on. But the, the carrier of that, that's all destroyed. Because that's not what the bride is. That's not what full doctrine is. So it's got to go on to a state of, of perfection. And Brother Bram said, this is that coming into that third pole. This is exactly where uh, we, are, we are destined to go because people have to come to that in order for the rapture. So God's intent is to bring us to that. Now, let me just, if you don't mind, let me just, I'm just going to skip ahead for time's sake here. Now, if you don't mind, just, just stay with me for a moment here. I won't be long. But Brother Bram's, if there's any particular sermon, that helps us understand this progression of things and this, this whole idea of moving into a, a perfect faith and a perfect understanding and, and consequently a perfect trust. It's Brother Bram's series on the, on the seven seals and, and in the breach and the first seal, Brother Bram takes a lot of time to explain how this is all actually working and how it's unfolding. All right, everybody with me? All right, now just, so, just bear with me now just for a moment. And he said, this last messenger of this church age, he said he's a prophet. And, and he explains this. He labors on this. He says, others were reformers, and they had a portion of truth. But he said, bottom, bottom of the page, but the full word of God never came to them because they were not prophets. So that would defy God's order. So in the last day, there had to be a prophet in order to tie it all together. But in the last days, it had to be a prophet to take up the mysteries of God. And he says it over and over again to bring it back into, into a perfect picture. He's not a reformer. It's got to be a prophet. Those reformers knew there was something wrong. Luther knew that the bread wasn't the body of Christ. So he preached on justification. That was his message. John Wesley came along. The Pentecostals came along. And they brought in the message of the Holy Ghost and so forth. Last paragraph. But in the last days, in this last age, the messenger is not to start any reformation. Sorry. This last messenger is not to start a reformation, but it's to take all the mysteries that these reformers left and gather them together and solve them to the people. So he's not necessarily a person who comes up with an entirely different gospel, entirely new one. No, that's not what he's doing. He's taken the loose ends. He's taken a scripture verse here and a scripture verse here, puts them together and said, these go together. 
These are, this is for the Gentiles. And this is in the Old Testament. This is for the Gentiles as well, spoken here. Psalm 27 and brings them together, brings these together, brings these together. And he's, and he's pulling all these loose ends together that are partially released through the ages and partially unveiled through the Old Testament, brings them all together and gives us a clarity we never had before. And he says in the trumpets that the hidden mystery of Christ was fully revealed in the seventh seal. It's fully, it's fully made known, fully revealed. So we are a people now that, <clears throat> that are uh, acquainted with, or as Brother Bram said, we've got a perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. We've got that. But I'll tell you what we also have. We also have an enemy. And that enemy, <clears throat> Brother Bram said, will come in a triple anointing in the last day, a triple anointing of the Antichrist. And it would be this way. It would be, he said, in a religious realm, it would be in a political realm, and it would be in a demonic realm. And all of those would be manifested in the last day. All of those would come in a certain measure in the last day, and a lot of it being disguised as good. I mean, in the political realm, uh, you'd, have to say, you'd have to say at least this, and, and, and it's hard for me not to say what I, what I really would like to say, but I'll just say it this way. God is not the author of confusion. So therefore, God is not the author of the current political situation. Because I would say this, that if I, if I was a person who didn't know what we know and had to depend on another election to fix it, wow is right. Woe is us if we have to depend on that. You know why? Because in all of these realms, whether it's religious and social and political and educational and everything else, the whole thing is under the control of a power that's not the Holy Spirit. So you're living in a world that is essentially falling apart because it doesn't have the keeping power of the Holy Spirit to hold it together. God's got a kingdom that's going to be held together by his power and by his strength. And we're moving to that kingdom. You're being trained to reign and that's in that kingdom. You're being trained to live there, not here. And that's why the more that you go on and the more, the more uh, in a sense, the more mature we become in the Word of God, all of this realm, all that realm out there. I mean, in music, uh, there was, we, were, we were listening to the news the other day on the radio. My wife and I were listening to the news. And then they flipped. They, were, they, they did a flip and they went to another story and they were interviewing this guy who was a rap singer. And... Uh, I, I had to, as soon as he started, as soon as this uh, thing started, I knew we had to turn this off. And by the time I got to the switch to turn it off, which is on the other side of the room, he had said so many bad things in that distance from here to there. I was just amazed. I mean, it just, it was just, it was just absolutely crazy. And I said to my wife, well, one thing is for sure, they can pack a lot into a short, a short sequence. That's for sure. I mean, they've really got it down pat. They've cut out all the fluff and they just added in, you know, 100% bad stuff. And it was just amazing what he said in that little short blip of time and, uh, and, and said what he did. And I got to the switch and I turned it off. And then you're afraid to turn it back on because he still might be on. So we just left it off. The farther you go in Christ, the more mature you become. And that's the goal. That's what God's trying to do is to mature us in Christ. The farther we go, the more of this stuff in the world becomes more grievous to us. 
And you wonder, why don't people cry out? Why don't people respond? Why don't people uh, you know, make, uh, speak out against the thing? And it's because that blindness covers this world. Darkness covers this world. And when, when all of that was prophesied uh, to, to take place, and when all of that was coming until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, there's a change of dispensation in the last day, and now the bride has access to things like you have access to things if you have the right card to go up to an ATM machine and extract or withdraw things from that system that nobody else has because you've got the card. And God says in the last of the Gentile time, he says, I want you to turn in your old bank cards. They don't work anymore. You can have all kinds of resources in the bank. You can have all kinds of stuff there. But a change of administration means that, hey, you've got to have the new card in order to access the resources you have. Just saying I've got them, just saying that I'm a Christian, doesn't mean that you have access to the resources in Christ. Unless you have the token that identifies you at the bank and says, yeah, that's me, and I put that card in. Now I have access to all the resources that are in that account on my name. They were always mine, but you know what? I don't have access to them. And this is the day, saints of God, when we need to have access to all that God has for us. Just think about it in your own life, and think about how that some of you have struggled and labored with issues and problems that seem to linger. And in sincerity prayed and just said, Lord, I just I want to get over this. I want to get beyond this. But you know what? You're still here. And we would have to say about that that God's grace is sufficient. Sometimes his grace is sufficient. You know, I look, I look at some of you that are here and, you know, struggling with different things. And, you know, not, not that God's not a healer and it's not that God's not able, but his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And we think, well, you know, why doesn't God do this? And why doesn't God do something else? And that's really not our question to ask. We just know that God can. And Lord, we're going to come alongside you and we're going to present our petitions to you in faith and respect and in love and we're going to give you those requests. And we'll give them to you over and over again. And Lord, we'll do that because we believe that you are a healer and you are a deliverer and you can do all of these things here. And I would say this, saints of God, that there are things that that happen without, as I showed you there in the demonic realm and all those realms that are out there. And there are things that happen right here. And there are things that happen in our changing bodies because we age and we live in a world that's filled with all kinds of corruption that's, that's out there and corrupt things that we eat and all the rest of it. I mean, that's, that's just a fact of life. And if you lived in Ohio, you'd probably want to not live in Ohio and, and drink water there and so forth. I mean, it's just crazy. It just seems to get crazier and crazier as we go on. In other words, we're, we're moving into a cycle where there's things about life you are not going to be able to change. And it seems like if, if time went on, we'd all become captive to a system that offers no deliverance from itself. Does that make sense? Then go back to our text where God says, Hey, in me do the Gentiles trust. Your only hope, the wild card in all of this is not how long you've been in church. The wild card that you have in your hand is not your attendance record and it's not who your dad was. Your wild card in this thing is not knowledge. The wild card we have 
is amazing grace. At this point, that's the only thing that makes sense. Lord, I, I'm, I'm no better than a lot of other people, and I make mistakes, and I still make mistakes, but Lord, I've, I've got grace. I've got amazing grace that you gave us. Through the cross, you gave it to us. And Jesus is saying, hey, who can take the, who can take the captives out of the hand of the strong man and the soldier? Who can, who can go to the dictator and say, hey, release him, give him back? He says, you can't do that, but I can do that. You can't do that, but I can do that. And you might find yourself in the grip of some, something that's trying to hold on to your life and saying, hey, ain't no way. I've got a hold of you forever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bind you forever. You know what? He may be right, but we know someone who's more powerful than him. We know someone who is able to release you, and I believe will release you before this is all over. Because his victory is now not in view. Satan's victory is not in view. When Jesus confronted him in Matthew chapter 4 and, you know, <clears throat> met Satan on top of the hill there, <clears throat> Satan's, Satan realized, hey, this is not an ordinary uh, foe. This is not an ordinary person. This is someone who speaks differently and speaks with authority. And Jesus had an answer for every one of Satan's accusations. He had an answer for every one of Satan's uh, uh, points. And, and, and Satan could not, he could not maintain the victory over this one. He could try to do what he could to the disciples and try to do what he could to the crowds. He could, he could mess up uh, the people of Israel's thinking, but he couldn't mess up Jesus. He could not, he could not overcome him. And even when he got him to the cross <clears throat> and put that stinger of death inside of him, it didn't stay because nothing worked against him. And that's what Jesus wants us to know. Nothing works against me to destroy me. You can trust in me. And I'm simply saying to you this morning that this glorious church that we're talking about is a people who don't have, we really don't have much in terms of wealth and power. We don't have a lobby in Washington. We don't have access to the great halls of power. We don't have any of that stuff. We don't have anything in the world that would deem to make us successful or uh, determine us to be successful. We don't have that. But you know what we have is the wild card of grace that we can just put down and say, you know what? It's just me, Lord. But I'm a child of God. It's just me. And I'm saved by the blood of Christ. Lord, I'm coming to you not in my own strength. I'm coming to you behind the blood of Christ. Nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to thy cross I cling. And in him will the Gentiles trust. That's me. I'm one of them. Let's stand to our feet this morning. If you don't mind, I'd like you to stand and stay with me. Let's have our musicians come. And I'd like to pray with you this morning. I'd like us to worship a little bit and sing. But I'd like to... I'd like to I'd like to pray with you this morning because I know that, you know, even though we're called a glorious church, and we are, because he made that designation, not us, I do believe with all my heart that there are things that the enemy would like to try to remind you of. Hey, you know what? You're still bound. You still have problems. And you still, uh, you still have this. And you can't get free of this or whatever else. I will tell you this. You need to say to him, but I don't have my trust in me. And I don't have my trust in earthly remedies. I have my trust in Christ. And Jesus said, in him will the Gentiles trust. In him. That's where our trust is going to be. And your faith rests on that trust in God. 
Your faith rests on that confidence that we have in God. All I want you to do this morning is just to reach out to him and just believe that God is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seeks him. No. And God is one that we can place our unashamed trust in him. God is one that we can place our every care upon and we can cast everything to him because he is that kind of a savior. He says, I want the world to know. Let's sing that little chorus again. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Let's sing that again. It's on the screen there. Sing it now with me. We down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. His mercy.
in your life that you want to see God deal with or maybe you have a fear a fear that always keeps popping up we're, t- we're talking to believers now and, and, and in, in, the real, in the real world in this world as long as we're in these bodies and as long as we carry around this little mind with us there's going to be things that haunt you and come, come at you and so forth and if you're in that category that you'd like to see deliverance from that and just state your your, your faith stayed in a way that, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm trusting in you. 
And if you want to make that statement this morning, I'm going to ask you to come on up here to the front and just say, Lord, I, 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 want, to, I want to be prayed for. I want everybody to come up at the same time and just say, Lord, I, I just I, I want to have that, that touch. I want to know, Lord, that you hear this prayer. And I want to, I want to trust in you with all of my heart. And Lord, I want to, I want to, no matter how, where, where life takes me, no matter what happens, Lord, I want to say to the world, I'm trusting in Christ. I'm thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for my education. I'm thankful for everything, but there's just some things I can't shake. And I just want to say, I'm trusting in you, Lord. Cast all your cares on him. Now is a great moment for you to do that. Cast your care on him. It can be a fear. It can be a sickness. It can be a can be something that you just say, Lord, I'd love to have that gone. Come on up. You're, we're, we're, we're clogging up back here, so come on up, all the way up. Come on up to the front. Do that. Come on up here. Maybe it's you don't, something you don't see in your life. Maybe it's something you really want to see in your life. doesn't matter. Sister Shirley's been struggling with bronchial stuff, sinus and, and respiratory issues for a long, long time, and we just prayed that that, that her trust would stay strong. Her faith would stay strong. If I could, I would certainly take that away from her. And if she could, she certainly would take this away. She suffered along with this thing. And sometimes, you know, you just need to pray. And Lord, you, you know my need. But I, I, I just ask the Lord, you'd help keep me strong for this battle. Keep me strong for this need that I have. And look around. You're not alone. Don't feel bad if you feel bad. Look around. There's all kinds of people. There are people that are listening online today that are are going through the same things that are not here because they're not well and they got a a problem or an issue that, you know, they don't seem to get over the top of. Let me tell you, I just want to assure you today by the word of God that your world can fall apart. Everything around you cannot make sense. But I will tell you what, we as a people, we should say, I'm one of the Gentiles who trust in him. I'm going to trust in him no matter what, no matter where this, how long this goes on, I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to trust in him. We need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. <clears throat> Let's sing that this morning here before we pray together. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Yes, I need your help, Lord. Help me be faithful. 
Lord, to put my trust in you. Grant it, Lord. Lord, I lift my hands and I bow my knees and I worship at your throne. Lord, I need you. Yes, I, I need you, Lord, right now. Where it's appropriate, just lay your hands on somebody next to you. I want you to sing this personally one more time. I need you, Lord. I'm just shutting everything else out, Lord. And I mean business with you. I need you, Lord. Let's sing it one more time. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Yes, Jesus. Oh, I need you, Lord. Yes, I need you, Lord. faith together now this morning, Lord. Not because we are strong, but Lord, because we are weak. And Lord, in our human condition, Lord, if we could only change our situation, Lord, if we could come up with the right answers, if we could relieve ourselves of the oppression of the enemy, Lord, we would. In Jesus' name, we would would certainly do that. But Lord, we are admitting this morning that we are dependent on you. That Father God, we stand together as a believing people And Lord, it comes down sometimes to the only thing we have to trust in is your word. But Lord, that's exactly what you wanted in this last day. And so, so Lord, we know that every time we bow in your presence and every time, Lord, we fight a battle, that we are a step closer to a victory. And that, Lord Jesus, we know we can trust in you. When everything else fails, we know we can trust in you. And in Jesus' name, we curse every affliction, every demon, every doubt, every fear that would hinder the people of God. That, Lord, we would stand together against the powers of darkness, Lord, that invade this world. And, Father, we believe this morning that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And, Lord, we fight and we struggle. We wrestle with things, Lord. Many of those things are uh, battles that we face in our minds, O God. But, Lord Jesus, we know that you always have an answer and you always have a remedy. And sometimes, Lord, the very simplest thing we can do is just stand and raise our hands and say, Lord, we trust in you. And that's what the Gentiles were supposed to do is to trust in you. You are the God who fights our battles. You are the God who cares about what we go through. You're the God who knows exactly what we're praying for, even when we tell no one. But, Lord, you are real. You're a God who's closer than even the breath we breathe. And in Jesus' name, I commit this people and myself, my family, my wife, Lord. I commit each one into your care now. 
and believe, Father, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord Jesus, you're able to straighten the withered hand. You're able, Lord, to put blind eyes back into use again. Father, you're able to have a mule, Lord, to respond to your voice. You're able, Lord Jesus, to use us. And in Jesus' name now, I entrust this people to you. Pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would minister to each one. We claim victory today. We believe, Lord Jesus, that you hear us. We don't have any great superpowers against the enemy, Lord. But we just want to say our trust is in you. And Lord Jesus, we are not afraid of him. We are not afraid of his tactics. We just want to say we trust in you. Lord, may this people that are gathered here today, may they go forth in victory, Lord. May you bring healing in whatever way it's needed, Lord. May you bring answers uh, from the throne of the great counselor, Lord. May you bring answers and and peace, Lord, as, as only you can. I commit them to you, Lord. I believe this morning that this is within your power. This is within your scope, Lord. Like you said in Isaiah, let the people know that I am the Savior. I am the mighty one of Israel. I am the one that's going to make this happen. And I am the one that's going to make those Jews be able to leave those lands of persecution and bring them back to their homeland again. Father, you brought us to where we are and now I commit the people to your hands again now because you are the mighty one. You are the savior. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the one who gives peace. Help us to be strong to resist temptation and help us to hold on, Lord. Hold on to that which is true. And we'll give you thanks and praise. And thank you, Lord, for what you've done here today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name and for your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all the people said, Amen. pulpit 
weeks and weeks in a row here. And this is something that Brother uh, uh, Craig Boer quoted when he was here. And, and this is out of the message um, in 19, 1964. And Brother Branham said, If Jesus said, I'll be with you the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I'll be with you till the end of the world. If he ain't here to manifest that, he said, then it's an error. But it isn't an error, it's a truth. He said, God is here to meet the challenge of your faith. God is here to meet the challenge of your faith. If Jesus said that, and he's not here to manifest that, that's an error. But it's not an error. He said, it's the truth. God is here to meet the challenge of your faith. So whatever it is that's challenging you today, you got to understand it's not just you facing that, that God stands with you to face that challenge of your faith. Whatever it is, God stands with you and in you to, to be able to counter that challenge to your faith. There's nothing can overtake you. There's nothing can destroy you. There's nothing, there's nothing can defeat you because you have greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And he said he's here to meet the challenge of your faith. So today when you leave here, leave here believing that God is actually here to meet whatever, I ch- whatever is challenging me, whatever challenge I face today, that God is right here with me Amen. to meet that challenge. You know what? That will make you more confident in battle. That'll make you go forward singing the victory. Absolutely. Because you know he's here to help you meet the challenge of your faith. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and your promises, Lord. We thank you, Father, because you said you'd be with us, Lord, as we face any challenge, any circumstance, any opposition. Lord, we know that you are greater than any enemy that can come against your bride. We claim a special place in your heart, Lord, because you said that we were the apple of your eye. And and Lord, you, you loved us so much, you came and died for us. Now in Jesus' name, I pray that the people would go forth in victory, believing, Lord, that you're with them to meet any challenge they face. And Lord, may they apply the word in their hearts and just put their faith in you. May they trust in you, Lord, as a Gentile bride. We love you and we thank you, Father, and bless the people now as they go and meet with us again, I pray, at four this afternoon, and and we'll give you thanks and praise for all you've accomplished. In the wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord, amen and amen. For those of you that are able to make it, we'll see you at four. God bless you as you go. In me than he that is in the world. Oh, yes, greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world.